Welcome to today's meeting of the Velshi Band Book Club. I'm MSNBC's Ali Velshi. Columbine, Virginia Tech, Sandy Hook, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, Rob Elementary, The Covenant School. The sound of gunshots in these school hallways reverberated across the nation, a legacy of gun violence in the classroom. According to the Washington Post, more than 356,000 students have experienced gun violence at school since Columbine. There isn't a child, a teacher, a parent starting this school year who hasn't considered, if even for the briefest of moments, what if today it's me? Today we're looking at two books that grapple with what comes before and after the pain and trauma of a school shooting. 19 Minutes by Jody Pico and Give a Boy a Gun by Todd Strasser. We are featuring these two books because we believe they can generate useful conversation, help listeners work through very serious feelings, and to whatever extent possible, aid in understanding. We are featuring these books because we believe there is power in fiction, especially banned fiction. Maybe 19 Minutes or Give a Boy a Gun can be a guiding light when you or your child is interested in exploring the painful reality from the safety of the written word. Reading cannot stop a bullet, but it can help with the wounds we cannot see, the emotional trauma that an entire generation of American children now carry with them. Let's open our first book. Nineteen Minutes by best-selling and award-winning author Jody Picot takes place in the fictional small town of Sterling, New Hampshire in 2007. Throughout the book, time flashes between the past and the present, before, after, and during a school shooting. The titular time frame is in reference to how long the school shooting lasted, how long it took for 17-year-old Peter to murder 10 people from the school and severely wound many others. The story is told through the intertwining lives of various people in the town, including Peter, his parents, one victim of the school shooting named Josie, her mother, and a member of local law enforcement. Let's talk about the woman behind the words. Jody Pico is one of the best-known and most-loved contemporary American authors of our time. She is hugely popular, selling approximately 40 million copies of some 30 novels worldwide. Pico's breadth of work delves into issues many might call controversial, including abortion, eugenics, LGBTQ rights, and, of course, school shootings. 19 Minutes was her first book to debut at number one on the New York Times bestseller list. It is far from her only book to face calls for ban. On the one hand, 19 Minutes is a quintessentially Pico book, complete with a surprising twist at the end. It is compelling, absorbing, and ferociously readable. On the other hand, it grapples with serious themes like vengeance versus justice, appearance versus reality. The story is told from a place of healing. The reader is not asked to feel compassion for Peter, but the story lays bare the bullying, taunts, and family dynamics that help explain the why. Outside the pages of the book, the why behind the appalling acts of a school shooter are far less clear. We know that bullying alone is not enough to drive someone to such depravity. 
19 Minutes has been challenged numerous times. For one, a year after its publication in 2008, a parent petitioned for its removal from the Beardstown Middle and High School Library in Illinois, citing sexual references, suicide, bullying, and violence, among other things. The National Coalition Against Censorship wrote a letter in favor of retaining the book. The letter read, in part, quote, In 19 minutes, author Jody Pico uses the form of a novel to address serious issues of bullying and questions about sexual relationships that affect teens across the country. The author's research on school violence and prevention make the book a strong resource for teens, educators, and parents alike, end quote. Most of the books we cover on the Velshi Band Book Club are crucial for many reasons, but primarily because they force their readers to face issues directly. For a certain readership, the sort that needs them most, books like Dear Martin or Boy Erased cover topics that one can actually just ignore. Not black? Police brutality can be reduced to a headline. Not Jewish? Anti-Semitism doesn't apply. Not gay? Homophobia doesn't ever have to enter your mind. But school shootings can't be ignored. They are part of the very fabric of the American school system, at least until significant change occurs. This is true for every parent and student, regardless of race or socioeconomic status. Books like 19 Minutes can be a valuable tool, a resource, as the NCAC said, to work through emotions, thoughts, and concerns surrounding this all-too-real issue for parents and students. All right, I'm thrilled to be joined by the prolific Jody Pico, New York Times bestselling author of 28 novels, including today's Velshi Band Book Club feature, 19 Minutes. Jody, welcome to Velshi Band Book Club. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Look, this novel, uh, uniquely relevant in this moment, throughout the novel, the reader is offered a lot of insight into the school shooter, Peter, his family, his upbringing. You know, it's something we've shied away from in the news business, right? We tend to focus on the victims and the circumstances more than the shooter. But why do you feel it important to tell people about the why of how Peter became a school shooter? Well, the reason I wrote this book is because adolescence is a time of fitting in, not standing out. And there are a lot of kids who stick out. And that hasn't changed since when I was a kid, since when my children were younger. It takes a village to raise a child, but it also takes a village to fail a child. And I think it's important to look at, through Peter, all the ways that just one moment, one interaction with someone could have changed the course of his life so that he didn't feel the need to pick up a gun and start shooting. The book is grounded in bullying and how that affects and debilitates a kid. Of course, there's bullying in countries all over the world. The difference between America and them is access to guns. How do you think the reader should consider? When I say the reader, I actually mean everybody who follows the news, because school shootings are something we discuss all too frequently. With respect to sympathy or empathy for the shooter, that tends to go out the window fairly immediately. Do you think that it would be helpful for us to have either more sympathy or empathy for these shooters in terms of figuring out how to solve the problem? Well, it's funny that you do mention, you said that the media tends to focus on the victims. That I don't always see that being the case. I think people are looking for the salacious details. They want to know what was the last thing the shooter posted online. And, you know, did you take pictures of himself with bullets crossed over his chest? And what groups did he belong to on social media? And I think that part of that is what feeds 
future school shootings. I think that kids who are marginalized see things like that on the news and think, nobody knows my name. Everyone makes fun of me, but I know a way I could make that stop. So in a way, the culture perpetuates itself. It's worth saying that 19 Minutes was written in 2007. That's when it was published. It's been 15 years and it's only become more relevant. Let's go back to bullying. It was a motivation for you to write this book. Tell me why. I remember very distinctly when my oldest son was five years old, I remember going to his school and just watching this kid pull out the chair of another little girl before snack time, just so that her lunch tray would fall all over herself. And this was a quiet little girl who was very, very shy. And the kid did it to get a laugh and to tease this poor girl who was kind of on the fringes of the class. And I thought, wow, it starts so early. And when I was in eighth grade, a million years ago, I had my hand in a locker reaching in for a book and a bully came in, slammed the locker on my hand and broke two of my fingers. It just seems like nothing changes when it comes to bullying. Always going to be clicks. There are always going to be kids who are excluded. And it's necessary for us to understand that sometimes inaction is inaction. And kids need to understand that too. That if you see someone sitting alone in the cafeteria Even if you're not actively bullying that kid, the fact that you're not reaching out to that kid is a choice. Your books are eminently readable. You cover a lot of controversial topics. And every single book that we have on this show that has had an attempted ban, um, they all say the same thing. Critics of these books say they're hard topics that they don't want their kids subject to. Were you surprised by the attempted banning of 19 Minutes? Because it's kind of the point of the book, right? Nothing about the book is supposed to make you comfortable and feel good. It's actually supposed to challenge you. Exactly. All of my books tend to be challenging and about issues that are polarizing. When it comes specifically to 19 minutes, it's really worth noting that we regulate drugs and cars and alcohol and even ladders. And now, apparently, books, we regulate the books that our kids are supposed to be reading, but we still don't regulate guns. When you look at the body of your work, because you've, t- you've tackled all the topics that we could be talking to you every week about in the news, what's the role? Because you really are the exemplar of a writer who writes accessible things. So you're taking hard topics and you're making them accessible. But what do you think that role is for you? Is it different than when you first started writing? I I think it's probably gotten a little more sharp as I've continued to write over the years, but I think fiction is a really important tool. A lot of people um, will tune out to the news. You know, I I can't tell you how many people I've talked to in the past week who said, oh, I just, I can't handle all the stuff about the shootings. I'm not watching the news this week. Fiction is supposed to be an escape, but if you write about topics like I choose to, what you do is get readers invested in the story and in the characters And by the time that the last page is turned, you've forced them to confront an issue that maybe they didn't want to confront. And you've done it in a way that allows them to look at all sides of a situation. So, you know, you're going to look at the pros and the cons. You're not going to ask them to believe something that maybe I believe, but you are going to ask them to reevaluate why their opinion is what it is. Fiction is a sort of a backdoor way, I think, to get people to really question their opinions why they form them, when they form them, and if they should be opening up their minds and maybe changing their points of view. And what a great way. If, if that's how people are going to uh, be informed about contemporary issues, why not do it through a Jody Pico book? Thank you for being with us. Thank you for writing this book so long ago that continues to be uh, relevant today. Jody Pico is the author of 19 Minutes and many other novels, and we appreciate your time today. Thanks for being with us. 
Thank you to the newest member of the Velshi Band Book Club, Jody Pico, author of today's feature, 19 Minutes, and many other bestsellers. We're continuing this important conversation right after a quick break, featuring a different author and a different book. Give a Boy a Gun by Todd Strasser is one of the first books written about school shootings with young adult readership in mind, the group that these brutal episodes of gun violence affect most. Give a Boy a Gun was published just one year after the Columbine High School massacre rocked the nation and ushered in a new era of violence in our classrooms. Stay with us. This is a conversation every single American needs to be having and hearing. This is the Velshi Band Book Club. Let's open the cover of our second book, Give a Boy a Gun, by Todd Strasser. Give a Boy a Gun describes the events surrounding a fictitious school shooting at Middletown High School. The story culminates on the night of a school dance where Brendan and Gary enter the school gym armed with homemade bombs and semi-automatic guns. They shoot and mutilate some of their classmates and teaching staff. It is visceral. The novel is written by way of diary entries, emails, interviews with various characters, and suicide notes from the two shooters. The result is eerie and deeply effective. The reader is on the outside, but is privy to the inner workings of the school, the town, and the two perpetrators. Moreover, it provides numerous points of view, some hostile and others more sympathetic. Give a Boy a Gun was initially published in 2000, just one year after the Columbine High School massacre. It is the first work of fiction to grapple with the new reality that followed Columbine, a world where students understand they can die in their classrooms. There are some similarities between the book and the Columbine shooting, including the close and complex friendship between the school shooters. Give a Boy a Gun was written for a young adult audience, unlike the more mature target demographic of Pico's book. It's been featured on many summer reading lists and as part of English curricula across the nation. Of course, it has faced calls for ban many times in its two decades in print. A high school English teacher, Sarah Anderson, posted a blog in favor of retaining the book on her syllabus, writing in part, quote, it is one of the most successful and engaging units we teach. Todd Strasser hits many big issues like bullying, violent video games, troubles at home, etc., that students have no choice but to speak up and discuss when they're reading. Almost every time we read this book in class, I end up hearing from my most introverted students. It's a powerful moment when so many students in class are buzzing and engaged and asking to have a discussion, end quote. The argument is that perhaps not all children are ready to grapple with the realities of a school shooting when the assignment comes about, but that is not an option that students in today's America get. Even if they haven't dealt with the horrors directly, they know about them. They see the news coverage, they hear their parents, they talk with their friends, they participate in lockdown drills. Joining the Velshi Band Book Club now is the prolific and award-winning young adult novelist Todd Strasser. Todd's it has an immense and influential body of work totaling roughly 150 titles, including today's feature for Velshi Band Book Club, Give a Boy a Gun. Todd, welcome to Velshi Band Book Club. Thanks for having me. 
What's changed since you wrote this book? You literally wrote one of the first books to come after uh, Columbine, which was earth shattering. It was an event that changed our entire world. This is all too familiar. What's different now than when you first conceptualized of wanting to tell the story to young adults? I think there are two things that have changed. One is actually good and, and one is not. The good thing is that we have made a tiny bit of progress. We, we are certainly losing the war when it comes to guns, but we won a battle. When I first started, bullying was a tremendous issue in schools, but I still go to a lot of schools and speak. I motivate kids to be better readers, you know, literacy. And every school I go into these days, you are going to find posters about bullying. You are going to find classes and discussions about bullying. So one place where we actually have made progress is the idea that bullying was behind school shootings. I don't think that is what is happening today. Today, school shootings have become a higher level of evil. Uh, it's hard to explain, but People who want to do something really bad seem to know that the worst thing you can possibly do is a school shooting. And you'll see that recent school shooters very often are not the students in the school, which is the way it used to be, but right. are outsiders. So what if you're writing this book today? thematically, what might change? The, the concept that there's still some notoriety behind school shootings, right? It is, as you said, the worst thing you can do. And if you are somehow on the outside, whether it's related to bullying or otherwise, you do gain some notoriety. And we in the media are trying to change that by not making it something in yes. which you get notoriety. But what would you do differently? Well, I, I would have to write a completely different book in a sense that it would have to be about characters who did not attend the school, who formed this idea in their mind. And let's understand, these are insane people. But how you get this idea and how it comes to you and why you go through with it, because it, it's just unbelievable that this happens in, in schools in this country. Let's talk a little bit about the pushback that the book got. And I almost think it was more understandable in 2000 because it was new subject matter. It was novel. It was unusual. And some people wanted to think of Columbine as something that will never happen again, must never happen again, should never happen again. And then we had so many others. And then we had Sandy Hook and we said, oh, my God, they killed little children. This must never happen again. Things are going to change. And then we had Parkland and we, we thought this will change. Nothing changes. And yet people still don't want their kids to read this material. Well, you know, it actually started before Columbine. It was in Kentucky and in Mississippi and in Arkansas. There were three shootings in a period of about six months in 1997 and 1998. My kids were in middle school at the time, and, and that's why I immediately got interested in this. So this had been going on beforehand, but Columbine was the event that really pulled the media in. And Columbine was the event where we first began to understand that bullying played a role. Now, we have a tremendous urge to protect our kids. We all do. And this has been going on forever. But there are two ways you can do it. You can educate and teach kids about danger so that they can protect themselves, or you can pretend to hide, stick your head in the sand. In 2000, People were more inclined to stick their heads in the sand, but now you can't. Children literally know about school shootings before they know how to read. 
Every few pages in your book, you have these footnotes and statistics, including a number of the gun deaths in America, the descriptions of Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold from Columbine, the perpetrators, quotes from congressional representatives. Tell me about this as a technique and why you chose to do it. Well, I've done a tremendous amount of research and there was so much that I wanted to convey. But you can't have characters in a story just stating facts and factoids constantly. It doesn't work. You need characters to be authentic and say what these characters really should say. But I had all this information. I was dying to get it out. So I decided to add the factoids on the bottoms of the pages as a way of doing it without interrupting the narrative. When I introduced you, I read a quote from a teacher who said, my most introverted students respond to this. I got to imagine that's a little bit of your goal, right? It's not just for everybody. It's for those people who might be slightly on the outside or on the fringes in which they might either recognize themselves or see some reason to participate in the discussion. Tell me about your thinking on that front. Well, I, of course, you want to try to reach the kids who are alienated because this is a story about alienated kids. But I'll tell you something fascinating that I never expected. I have gotten emails and letters, not huge numbers of them, but from the bullies. Kids who wrote to me and said, I'm a bully. Huh. I've pushed kids around. I never thought about how this affects the kids I bully. I never thought about how it affects them emotionally and how badly it hurts them. What an amazing thing to have had that influence, Todd, through your writing. Yeah. Uh, Todd Strasser, thank you. Welcome to the Elsheban Book Club, and we appreciate your time with us. Todd is the author of numerous novels, including, uh, like literally dozens of novels, including Give a Boy a Gun, today's feature for the Elsheban Book Club. Next week, we're re-examining and reframing U.S. history with none other than Nicole Hannah-Jones and her best-selling The 1619 Project, A New Origin Story. Named for the year the first enslaved African people arrived on the shores of Virginia, The 1619 Project became the convergence of a celebration of black history and a deeply misrepresented fear of so-called critical race theory. It represents change that is not just coming, change that is already here. But before I go, I want to highlight one member of the Velshiban Book Club, Tinka Perry, who wrote to us about their very own book club. Quote, I moved to independent senior living near Boston 10 months ago and with a new friend started a banned books group here, not knowing if others would be interested. Without advertising, we have over 30 people interested who also say, ban the book, I'll read it. We range in age from me at 73 to several people in their 90s. Some are librarians, others were children in Germany during or shortly after the war and remember book burnings or people talking about them. I've also been in touch with our local library, which has a banned books group for teens, and we hope the two groups can read and discuss a book or two together." End quote. Thank you to Tinka Perry and their very own banned book club. Please write to us at mystoryatvelshi.com. We are reading as resistance all together. Thanks so much for listening. The writer and producer of this podcast is Hannah Holland. Our booking producer is Lily Corvo. Associate producers are Chanel Adams, Samantha Brown, Nicole McReynolds, and Jen Maris Perez. Production assistant is Eunice Adekoya. Our senior producers are Jared Blake, Dina Moss, and Alicia Conley. 
Rebecca Dryden is our executive producer. Our technical director is Bryson Barnes. Our audio engineer is Cedric Wilson. Aisha Turner is the executive producer for MSNBC Audio. And Rebecca Cutler is the senior vice president for content strategy at MSNBC. Search for Velshi Band Book Club wherever you get your podcasts and follow the series. You can also catch Velshi on MSNBC every weekend at 10 a.m. Eastern. Eastern. 